Welcome to the Empire Files podcast. This is your host, Abby Martin. This is the audio of our show. You can watch the episodes on our YouTube channel or at theempirefiles.tv. This is Abby Martin with your Empire Update, wrapping up the last week in U.S. imperialism. On February 26th, it was announced that Biden would not penalize Saudi Arabia for its brutal murder of U.S.-based Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi. This is despite a U.S. intelligence report published the same day that confirmed it was Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman who ordered Khashoggi's kidnapping, then his brutal murder by cutting him into pieces with a handsaw while he was still alive. Biden's decision came as a shock, mainly to his own supporters, given his strong calls for justice during the campaign. In fact, holding Saudi Arabia accountable was one of Biden's main attack lines against Trump, one of the few points of differences between the two on foreign policy. Mr. Vice President, the CIA has concluded that the leader of Saudi Arabia directed the murder of U.S.-based journalist Jamal Khashoggi. The State Department also says the Saudi government is responsible for executing nonviolent offenders and for torture. President Trump has not punished senior Saudi leaders. Would you? Yes, yes, yes. And I said it at the time. Khashoggi was, in fact, murdered and dismembered. And I believe in the order of the crown prince. And I would make it very clear. We were going to, in fact, make them pay the price and make them, in fact, the pariah that they are. Biden's own campaign website stated, Jamal Khashoggi and his loved ones deserve accountability. Jamal's death will not be in vain, and we owe it to his memory to fight for a more just and free world. Once candidate Biden became President Biden, that quickly changed. According to the New York Times, quote, President Biden has decided that the diplomatic cost of directly penalizing Saudi Arabia's crown prince is too high. So what happened? Obviously, Biden, who just four years ago was vice president, knew the diplomatic cost when he was making those promises of accountability. Seems to be just another example of two-faced lies to get elected. I guess Saudi Arabia just has too much oil and buys too many American weapons to lose even an ounce of U.S. political support. Turning to the African continent, where a major Western military intervention looks set to continue indefinitely. Speaking at a summit of the leaders of Burkina Faso, Chad, Mali, Mauritania, and Niger, French President Macron threw cold water on hopes that the mission would wind down, saying that decision to reduce troop levels would be made, quote, when the time comes, but they will not be made immediately. The intervention, named Operation Barkane, began in 2014 to combat an insurgency across the resource-rich stretch of northwestern Africa. Over 5,000 troops from France, the former colonial ruler of the region, make up the backbone of Operation Barkane, but the United States is involved as well. The U.S. provides intelligence support for the mission and has, by many accounts, contributed several hundred Special Forces troops. The United States operates a key drone base in Niger, one of the states taking part in the operation, which is key to its current expansion through the CIA and AFRICOM. Turning towards Latin America, the Bolivian government of President Luis Arce delivered a sharp rebuke to the International Monetary Fund. 
Bolivia's central bank announced that it was returning the money from a loan negotiated by the coup government of Janine Anez, totaling slightly under $350 million. The IMF is notorious for attaching political conditions to its assistance packages, and the central bank said that the loan threatened Bolivia's sovereignty. The coup government attained the loan illegally by bypassing parliament completely. Arce's move to cut ties with the IMF is part of a series of measures being taken to undo the policies of the regime installed by the military following the overthrow of democratically elected president Evo Morales of the Movement for Socialism Party. After a year of fierce struggle against the coup, MAS returned to power with Arce's landslide election last October, and it's already confronting this pillar of imperialist control. In a show of defiance to the U.S.-imposed economic blockade of their country, the Venezuelan government began its COVID-19 vaccination program last week. Venezuela has been living under a suffocating sanctions regime that was imposed first by Obama in 2015 and then greatly intensified by the Trump White House. The blockade aims to cut off the country's economy from the outside world and has caused tremendous difficulty when it comes to acquiring medical supplies. But the government has managed to secure several deals for coronavirus vaccines and has now began administering them to frontline medical workers. The doses are from Russia, maker of the Sputnik V variant of the vaccine. 100,000 doses arrived in Venezuela in February, and total shipments from Russia will eventually total 10 million. In addition to its partnership with Russia, Venezuela is also circumventing the blockade by working with China, Cuba, the United Nations, and the regional bloc ALBA to acquire additional vaccine doses and distribute them in an equitable way. Finally, potentially big news in the empire's forever war, the NATO Military Alliance held a summit February 18th to 19th, first time such a gathering took place since the Biden administration took office. Among the main topics of discussion was the occupation of Afghanistan, now in its 20th year. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin told his counterparts at the summit that the United States, quote, will not undertake a hasty or disorderly withdrawal from Afghanistan. At the same time, on February 28th, Biden's Afghanistan negotiator began a trip which will see the first meeting between the U.S. and Taliban under the new administration. Here's the big kicker. The U.S.-Taliban deal signed in Doha in 2020 requires the full withdrawal of all U.S. troops by May 1st of this year. But the Taliban hasn't just been sitting around waiting. They have placed themselves in major cities and other strategic locations in preparation of launching a major series of attacks against U.S. forces. According to Barnett Rubin, longtime advisor to the U.S. on Afghanistan, stated, quote, The Taliban are in position for a major offensive. That offensive will include mass casualty attacks on Americans if we miss the withdrawal deadline. This has many parallels to the Vietnam War. The Taliban, like the Vietnamese resistance, has pretty decisively handed the U.S. military a defeat on the battlefield. But it was Vietnam's Tet Offensive that finally drove out the occupation. The Taliban seems poised for their own. And while U.S., NATO, and mercenary fighting forces float around 20,000, the U.S. couldn't even make a dent in Taliban fighting power back when it had over 100,000 soldiers fighting. So the question is, will Biden do his own troop surge to prepare for this mass casualty event? Will he just let it happen? Will he find some way to renegotiate the withdrawal timetable to do what the last three presidents have done 
and find ways to drag this out indefinitely? Or will Biden see what's in the cards, that their war for resources was lost 10 years ago? Will he finally do the right thing and remove U.S. troops? While Biden would no doubt like to take the same route as Trump and Obama and hand it over to the next administration, he may not have a choice. With the Taliban having a strong upper hand, it's either leave now or it's back to an all-out high-intensity ground war. If he takes the latter route, a lot of blood will be on his hands. Thank you for listening to our Empire Files podcast. Help keep us independent and ad-free at patreon.com slash empirefiles. And be sure to catch our newest episodes by subscribing to our YouTube channel. 